thank you for having me, guys. It's uh, it's an honor to be able to talk to a group, especially an NBA group. I appreciate the invitation. The background to how I got into sustainability starts in China. I lived and worked in China for 10 years. I was in the manufacturing and export business, which was the original engine of China's economic boom. And firsthand at the factories, I really began to see and bear witness to the chemical impacts on people in the environment, gray skies, speaking with children who had literally never seen a sunset because there was so much coal and soot in the air. Uh, with that as my very personal motivation, I began to look for companies that wanted to integrate these environmental practices into their very core, their business model, their manufacturing processes. That was um, well over five years ago now, and I'm thrilled to say that the area and the industry has only grown, and the thought process that was unique at that time, say 10 years ago, is now commonplace. Okay. So after, um, yes, go ahead. Oh, no, no, sorry, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> Um, so at first, I took a sustainability job in China where I was head of sustainability at Hayworth Incorporated for Asia Pacific, Latin America, and the Middle East. And over there, I focused mainly on two categories. One, chemicals in manufacturing of furniture, and two, sustainable wood sources. So we looked to take out the bad chemicals that negatively impacted air quality and therefore human health and increase the good stuff, like sustainably harvested wood products. From uh, there, I, when I returned back to the U.S., I actually found the JetBlue job on LinkedIn. No special secret, <laughs> the good old way of looking for jobs on the Internet, um, and applied emphasizing my previous experience in changing and growing systems. Okay, thank you, Sophia, for that. Um, so now we can uh, move over to the Q&A, and um, Sarah and I have prepared a list of, of questions that we would love to hear your stories and your perspectives on. Um, the first question that I would like to ask, and it's actually sort of a three-part um, question that brings to life, how did JetBlue start on their sustainability journey, and what was the key motivator behind that? So was it environment, people, savings? And could you give us an indication as to um, the when was that, what timing, um, and when did JetBlue start on this journey? Yeah, absolutely. So when you ask, was it environment, people, savings, the answer is yes. They all come together to make the case for creating a headcount to run sustainability at JetBlue and for motivating others to work on that subject and under that concept. When JetBlue started, we always had people at the core. It was, you know, we're primarily delivering customer service. And part of the business model when it was a startup, when it was just an idea on the back of a napkin, was that the better you treat people, both your own and outside of the company, the better experience, the better product, the better profit. 
also JetBlue grew up with a very strong CSR and philanthropy focus. CSR, of course, ref referring to corporate social responsibility, and grew a robust and generous program focused on communities, things like literacy and the importance of play in areas where underprivileged children don't have access to playgrounds. About, say, three to four years ago, the competitive landscape in all of corporate America as well as aviation began to change. And there was a general realization across boardrooms that social responsibility was not going to cover environmental systems. And we want to be careful not to get bogged down in linguistics here. When we talk about sustainability or corporate environmental responsibility, ultimately we are caring for protecting ecosystems for the benefit of people, communities, and the economy. At the end of the day, we're humans. It all ends up at social. So without um, ever separating those two things as climate change, natural resource use and extraction became more visible on the radar of corporate America within the, the communal dialogue of our country, that's when JetBlue said, let's have a special department focused specifically on resource consumption and waste. And that will be the basis of our sustainability. Perfect. You talked about putting people in the center, right, um, and, and really the, the people-oriented focus that JetBlue has. Um, I wonder what efforts JetBlue uh, does in terms of educating consumers around all of your sustainability initiatives and, and processes and efforts. Yes, absolutely. So one of the ways we educate consumers on what we're doing, and I'm not sure educate is the right word. I'd like to say share. What well, we, we say share our story. I mean, we all work very hard to create these programs, to fund them, to execute them, and ultimately sharing them is the easy part. That's the, that's the reward at the end of the journey, and seeing the positive feedback from customers and crew members um, is, is part of the validation process. We have the privilege of being able to put videos on board. So if you've ever flown on JetBlue, every single has a great TV, and it's a wonderful way to communicate with customers. Since we're talking about uh, New York City MBAs here, I know we've all been in taxis. You get in and you sit in front of that television. Yep. <laughs> no one on this call can, can kind of naturally divert their eyes from a television right in front of them. That's a very valuable source of communication that's unique. Uh, to JetBlue, even within the airline industry, to be able to use. And then, of course, we use social media. JetBlue was one of the first companies to really use Twitter to deliver customer service. Um, a shameless plug for our social media and, and Twitter feed. It's funny. Like, who knew? Who knew a corporation could be hilarious in 100 characters? And <laughs> social media, Facebook, um, particularly seeing People want human interest stories on Facebook. People want to feel good. They don't just want to know um, how much you're going to charge them for a ticket. That's a very transactional in engagement 
with a customer. Um, I'd almost say that would make our customers passengers if we only talk to them about tickets. Social, social media is the platform, and CSR and sustainability are the content that we can use to leverage social media. And social media is an entirely different topic. I'm sure um, BARD and MBAs in general have other conference calls and other focus areas on social media. It comes together very well with sustainability. And one of the most fun ways we share with customers is by painting planes. So if you've ever stood near a plane at the bottom of the plane, they're huge. They're enormous. You feel like a tiny ant next to them. And when you see a plane that's painted with a special message, you can't miss it. It's actually even more powerful than that TV right in front of your face in a taxi cab. And most recently, we have painted planes for New York City's firefighters and for the country's veterans. And these aren't just facelifts. These are big rollouts where we honor the individuals who hold these titles. We bring them to the airport, specifically to the hangar, which is this kind of funky open house where the, the airplanes sleep. Um, and we roll out the plane with great fanfare for the first time because it engages our crew members, because it engages customers. And it's not every airline that will paint a plane for corporate responsibility. Yeah, I'm just in your Twitter feed right now, and I can see the the Veteran Day um, airliner that you guys made. It looks really beautiful, and I think that's definitely a way to bring to life your your stories and what you care about as a company. So um, moving on, and when you responded to the first question, you mentioned about the airline industry's um, awakening to sustainability several years ago. Um, and I was wondering if you could share with us what the biggest challenge you find the, that the airline dis- industry is struggling with when trying to implement uh, for sustainability. Yeah, absolutely. We have to talk about fuel. We're an airline talking about um, natural resource consumption and impact. We need to talk about fuel. Every airline is trying to fly more efficiently. Every airline would like to spend less money on fuel. That dovetails beautifully with a natural desire to also reduce all our emissions from from the burning of jet fuel. And um, I would like to be able to give you a date when we will be flying on biofuels. A a lot of people would. Um, That is partly dependent on funding from Washington. That's partly dependent on science. And it's it's kind of a wait for the mainstream biofuel. I don't think it's very far off. My personal prediction is that we will easily see it in our lifetime of flying. Um, and also on a, on a personal note, it's amazing to watch scientists come up with fuel sources from algae, from discarded corn husks, from, from trash. Um, and it's, you can watch the process, you can watch the physics be developed, and you can see when a company or an individual, an entrepreneur will come out and say, okay, we managed to convert this into jet fuel. We can't get it at scale or it's five times the cost of regular jet fuel. And then three or four years later, they say, 
okay, now it's only two times the cost of regular jet fuel, and we have it at some scale. And that's the, the, the changes and the improvements that give me optimism um, to, to be able to say on a personal level, um, I'm very confident and excited by the idea of biofuels. That's great. Um, so I'm going to uh, cut in here. Actually, so it, it, that's a, a great uh, lead-in to the next question. We, we wanted to just know then a little bit more about, um, you know, how is JetBlue actually uh, involved in, in trying to advance the industry in that, in, in these, uh, you know, looking for new biofuels and other sources? Are you involved in that conversation actively in any way? Yes. Um, I actively call suppliers of biofuels, they might be general biofuels, and say that as a representative of the, of the aviation industry, this is something we're interested in. We actively talk to other carriers or friendly competitors and try and figure out how we can bring the cost of those biofuels down by sharing infrastructure. And at this point, all of those are conversations um, but it's it's the lobbying right now. It's the, it's saying yes. If you can make this viable and affordable, we want it, and we'll figure out as an industry how to use it. Mm -hmm. That's great. Um, I, I you know I, I also know that you have an extensive um, uh, or part of the ticket buying process, I believe, is that you offer carbon offsets to your customers. I actually was wondering, I know that um, that, that was a developing program. Is that something that, that has grown at all in, in the last year? I think in your 2013 report, it was you were offering it to consumers but wanting to expand on that availability. Yes. Um, yes. Thank, thank you for bringing that up. We have partnered with CarbonFund.org as our offsetter since 2008. And yes, and when you get your confirmation email from JetBlue, there's a rotating banner on the bottom, and that will offer you the availability in one click to offset your emissions. And we don't want customers to feel like they're in it alone. Like we said, here's your ticket. Please offset on your own. So with customers, we've offset 220 million pounds of CO2e to date thus far. And um, actually, most recently, when we launched our San Francisco uh, Mint service, we offset that route between San Francisco, SFO is the airport code, and New York, JFK is the airport code, for the entire year. And it was the first time that JetBlue has offset an entire route for an extended period of time as part of the commitment to the route, as part of the announcement to the city of San Francisco when we opened the service. To the best of my knowledge, no other carrier has done that that I'm aware of. Excellent. Yeah, I know that um, that's, I, that's oh, – sorry, go ahead. Um, I wanted to kind of stay on the topic of saving fuel emissions and, and systems for a bit and talk about something called next-gen navigation. It's a, it's a technical term that I assume most folks in this conversation have not heard of. It's important to talk about the technology because it's going to be a major part 
of reducing the emissions associated with flying. Biofuels alone aren't going to do it. Even if they were here already, we still need to improve technology on how we fly and land planes. So a, a very quick background to that is next-gen navigation. And that's basically using satellite information instead of radar to allow planes to communicate their position more after excuse me, more accurately with each other and air traffic controllers. When we can do this, we can fly more direct routes and optimize how we land, how we fly, what speed we travel at, and there is huge fuel savings in that. That you don't need to wait for Washington to help subsidize the fuel. You don't need to wait for chemists and biologists and scientists to create something new. This is a technology that exists already that we're implementing and want to implement more that saves fuel. And to get really specific about it, when we use NextGen on a flight, we can save approximately 18 gallons of fuel, which is 21 pounds of CO2 per flight. That's really amazing. I'm, I'm glad you brought it up. We did. Um, I read about it in your sustainability report, and and it does seem just uh, instrumental in in so much of what you're doing. Um, um, and actually, just to to go a little further, I I wanted to just confirm. I believe that I saw that you're you do have a, a GHG emission reduction target, a greenhouse gas reduction yeah. target of I believe it was 50 percent by 2050. Um, which I would say, I mean, I, I'm happy to see that. I think as an airline, that's that's a, a, a laudable goal. Um, and I <laughs> also I noticed you had some, you, you know, the, the the use of your fleet in general. It's it's you've got newer airlines and then other technologies. I think I also read about sharklets. <laughs> yep. The yeah. So just sounds yeah. Like sharklets. Sharklets are another great example of a technology that already exists that is saving fuel and how much like the country's energy mix, it's going to take a number of different types of energy to reduce the country's emissions. It's going to take a lot of different types of technology from biofuel to next gen to sharklets to gradually reduce the emissions associated with each flight. And you're absolutely right to, to reference our goals. The industry, we do have an industry-wide goal, which, which JetBlue fully supports and is fully signed on to. And um, as, as you said, it's that we're trying to improve fuel efficiency by 1.5% every year between 2009 and 2020. And um, the also what you referred to, capping CO2 emissions from planes by 2020. So that's the equivalent of saying post-2020 growth um, should be carbon neutral. And then finally, to reduce CO2 emissions by 50% by 2050, asterisk relevant, rel, uh, relative to 2005 levels. That's something that all the airlines are working on together. I don't think one airline could make any major improvement on their own. The, the fuel delivery system at airports are often shared. If we are going to get biofuels in there, we need to work together. Next gen um, the, and the air traffic control technology they refer to is absolutely shared. We, no one can do that on their own. It, it has to be an industry thing. Um, and if you think about how an airport is really communal grounds and 
the air space we're all traveling through is communal as well. It's not like when you get on an Amtrak train on Amtrak rails out in an Amtrak station. This is very much shared infrastructure, and that's why the active encouragement and lobbying I referred to previously is so important. Um, great. That actually leads in nicely, too. I, I wanted to just, uh, on a similar note, I mean, it, it's, it makes so much sense that, that in terms of the, especially in terms of emissions, that as an industry, it's, it's important that everyone be aligned, uh, all the airlines be aligned. Um, we did want to also ask, because JetBlue has such a, a strong, you know, people is so central, is such a central part of your mission and, and the focus on your crew members and, um, and you know, just issues of, of human rights in a sense. Um, we were curious if there is also, um, are there efforts that you're doing to uh, to lead the industry in those regards as well, for instance, in terms of, you know, pay upon entry to the industry or security, um, other, you know, not necessarily the environmental issues, but on the people side as well. Yes, um, absolutely. Um, you mentioned security. I have to say security and safety are the number one thing we do every single minute of every single day. If, if you're not safe, you don't have an airline, full stop. Um, so that, that, that area of focus is almost above trends, above, you know, industry. Um, it's just kind of how planes operate. To, to be much more specific about leading around the human side and the people side, we actually had a really cool announcement uh, came out this week that we received the top score on the Human Rights Campaign Corporate Equality Index. The Human Rights Campaign, of course, being the uh, very well-known, large and well-organized uh, nonprofit that looks at human rights. And interesting, one of the, the key factors in that is how you treat your, your employees, they call them or crew members, how we as JetBlue treat each other, how, how crew members are treated um, with a special focus on inclusive health care benefits for transgender individuals who are looking for transgender services. If you look at that sentence in the context of 10 years ago, Ten years ago, when we were all working, it was a landscape that wasn't that different from, when it, from what it is now, we were talking about basic equal rights um, for gender, for sexual orientation. I think the conversation has advanced remarkably, remarkably rapidly, um, as has sustainability. Quite frankly, I think that corporate America is a much better place on these issues now versus five years ago versus ten years ago. And it's it's something to be optimistic about. Uh, if you read the Internet too much, you can kind of feel like it's all falling apart. Mm -hmm. uh, but when you look at what, what a company has to do to get a top equality or human rights score, it gets harder every year, and more companies gain them every year. The expectations on how people are treated are keep, keep rising. Uh, Amy, if you want to, I think, pick up for the uh, next few questions. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't notice I was muted. 
talking for a little bit. But anyway, um, uh, thank you, Sarah. I'll take it over from here, Sophia. So, um, you know, we, many of us at Bard MBA are either native New Yorkers or um, New York transplants, and we're very aware of JetBlue's pride um, in their and their New York uh, roots. Uh, every time I go to JFK to the JetBlue terminal and I walk into the ticketing area, it's just so lovely to see all the love that the company shows for um, the city and the state. So I wanted to learn a little bit more about how you apply local, the local concept um, in other and different areas of your operations. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm going to talk specifically about food because food is awesome. And it's, it's a great I example agree. of <laughs> of where JetBlue is really closely tied to New York. Um, if you're familiar with the organization Grow NYC, it is really where New Yorkers go for their farmer's market. If you've ever been to a green market in, in New York, it's run by Grow NYC. And they're a fantastic hybrid of um, government and nonprofit um, in, in a traditional charity sense. Um, so partnering with them, we did a farmer's market uh, previously at, at the terminal itself and brought in all local New York products. You know, it goes without saying that that went over well with elected officials from the, the areas in New York where we were bringing in products like hot sauce and homemade pretzels, um, cider, apples, fresh, fresh produce. It went over even better with customers and crew members walking through the terminal. I mean, people were overjoyed to find fresh New York food that they recognized that had an artisanal feel to it and that was approachable. And that's really when we decided to focus part of our sustainability strategy on food. And it works from the commercial side as well. A major part of our product offering is the quality and the uniqueness of New York food. So specifically uh, for limited times, we're serving Ronnie Brook yogurt, which is a really nice yogurt from an organic farm um, in New York State. Um, Blue Marble ice cream, if anyone has ever been to Brooklyn, best ice cream in Brooklyn, also an entirely organic um, product. And this is a market that's going to continue to grow. Right now, we've got fresh fruit, uh, fresh, fruit fresh vegetables, quinoa salad uh, on board our planes right now. And in, again, compare that to your options for eating five years ago on an airplane. Um, on this topic, I particularly encourage folks to check out jetblue.com slash green slash food. And that kind of explains the philosophy of how offering a strong commercial product and corporate responsibility come together so well in good food. Perfect. And that's a great segue to, to my next question. Um, because we've seen, so we would like to learn a little bit more about JetBlue's approach to innovation. So recently we've learned about a partnership with um, Axel Foods, which I believe is a very alternative, alternative food sources that you're looking um, to provide in your, um, in your flights. I think they offer cricket protein bars and things like that. So we'd like to learn more how you come up with these types of 
of, com of concepts, innovative concepts? And also, are there other innovative ideas and, and concepts that we should be looking for that are in your pipeline? Yeah. yeah, thanks for asking. No cricket bars on board. <laughs> that oh, was no. <laughs> uh, I know. That was a uh, media rumor. I, I encourage everyone to find all um, sustainable and alternative sources of protein in their personal life, but <laughs> not on JetBlue flights. Um, there is a strong focus among our commercial team that looks at, at food choices on entrepreneurs, on small businesses, New York-based businesses. One of the funnest places to check out within the JetBlue network is the area and space where the team that tests and picks these foods sits. It is filled with amazing samples of healthy food from around New York, from around the U.S., and it's a, it's a differentiation point from, from the business perspective. Um, it's, a, it's a conversation starter. It's a delight and surprise when you get on board and the food is actually good. And it helps us with our diversity, which is a question you asked me about previously. It helps to say, all right, you want to know how we're doing the right thing? We're supporting small businesses. We're giving small businesses a chance. You don't have to be a mammoth food company to come in and talk about your product with us. Um, and that I've sat in on a number of, converse, of those conversations, which um, are really great because entrepreneurs and small business owners are so proud of what they do. They're so proud of their business and the product they produce. It's contagious, and you get excited about being an entrepreneur and their awesome food just being in the meeting with them. That sounds really cool. Um, I have one final question, and then we're going to open it up to um, the public so they can also ask you questions. Um, so my last question would be, what does JetBlue's growth strategy look like? And as you grow, how do you see the company maintaining its commitment to culture and sustainability issues? Yeah, that's a, a great question. Our, our growth strategy is in bigger planes with more people on them. It's in continuing to give people a better flight to be the best customer service in the industry and believing that people um, will continually choose a company that inspires humanity and air travel um, over a miserable commoditized flight experience. Um, we have continued to grow. There are very aggressive growth plans in the pipe or in the pipes. Um, some huge growth strategies were actually announced yesterday um, on officially on the wire. Um, and and how we hold on to culture is an active conversation that happens in the airports and the support centers on a daily basis at Chapelle. The short answer without creating a second hour of conversation <laughs> is the values. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? And before I joined JetBlue, I thought corporate values were kind of a joke, like something that someone in an isolated communications department maybe wrote five years ago and someone else tries to remember to update once a year. I didn't really believe it until I started working at JetBlue. And our, we're kind of obsessed with, with our values. And I have been in meetings where I've asked senior leaders what to do, and they have told me to go back and think of the values, which are very simply safety, 
caring, integrity, passion, fun. It sounds so corny if you don't see it being lived out every day. And so when, when decisions do come up that we feel impact the culture or a crew member might be engaged with a customer and they themselves have a choice that, that is also part of the culture, it, does the culture support them in whatever they're about to choose, it's protecting the, the customer's experience and protecting the crew member's ability to give the customer a positive experience. I'll be very specific. If you are a customer and you've had a really unfortunate incident in your family, for example, this is a, a tragedy, it happens unfortunately all the time, you might have a flight already booked. And because something has happened, you now need to change that flight. If you call a bureaucracy, you, you don't have any luck. If you call JetBlue, we, we have something called the Blue Heroes Program, and that allows the trained crew member on the phone with the customer to make an on-the-spot decision and say, you know what, we're going to drop all the fees, we're going to change all your itinerary around at no extra cost so you can make that funeral. Um, and it's wow. moments like that, yeah, you know, um, it's moments like that that make the culture. And we, um, from the business perspective, sharing those moments internally is really valuable because they, they can happen in isolation. They can happen just between one or two people, and you want everyone to know about them so that you can feel the culture being alive on a daily basis. Um, and social media so critical to business these days, has helped bring a positive spotlight to a lot of that already. And one of the, to, the cool things about our, our Twitter feed is if a customer complains on Twitter, maybe they've had a negative experience in our Terminal 5 at JFK. Um, we've had multiple times individuals who work at the airport see that tweet and find that customer and fix the problem oh, wow. for them. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it's serious. Sometimes it's a serious um, issue about finding a flight or making a flight, and sometimes it's just hilarious. Uh, in, in one particular instance, uh, customers going on their honeymoon, um, I believe, uh, tweeted something uh, negative about a delay. Um, it would only be better, you know, it would all be better if they could just hear their favorite song. <laughs> and a crew member at JFK figured out how to play that song over the entire airport for them. Wow, that's very so, cool. Um, yeah, it's 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 those moments, um, and it's trusting that if your gut tells you that you have to make a call in that moment that you think is caring, that you're not going to get yelled at later, that you'll have the support of the system backing you up and be like, you know what, you are right. You had to give that customer a free flight because it was the right thing to do, given the day they had had. Very cool. So I, I can't wait. I'm flying um, home for the holidays, uh, and I'm on a JetBlue flight, so now I'm really looking forward to my <laughs> my JetBlue experience over the holidays. Um, so now we're going to open it up to the public, um, the guests that are on the line. If you would like to ask a question, uh, you can hit five star on your phone, and that will um, prompt us to unmute you, and then you will be able to ask the question. So five star, and you can ask the question once I'm muted. 
Great. Thanks, Amy. This is Stephanie with the Bard MBA. Looks like no one has uh, prompted to ask a question yet, but all on the line, do feel free to hit five star. In the meantime, though, we might continue the conversation. And if I notice that you want to ask a question, I'll, uh, when there's a break, I will call on you. Great. Um, yeah, one, uh, one travel, excuse me, travel tip, since you mentioned um, you'd be flying home for the, holiday, uh, for the holidays soon. If you're excited about your trip, maybe you're just excited about flying, traveling, getting wherever you're going, tell the crew member on board, no matter what carrier it is. If you're on Delta, United, JetBlue, tell the person who's standing at the door and making sure you fasten your seatbelt because they, they might fly four or five times that route that day. And it is such a nice break. It is such an inspiration um, to hear from a customer that what they're doing, enabling that flight to get off the ground, is, is making you happy. <laughs> That's great. Um, I, I actually, I, I'm glad you, you talked about your, the values. I, I wanted to just go a little bit further with that, actually. I noticed also, um, also in that sustainability report from 2013, there was a uh, um, I believe that you had circulated a survey among uh, among. It sounded like a, a, your entire crew members and staff um, in order to decide on what were the most material items that you were going to be focusing yep. on, and that that was how yep. you decided on recycling and and composting yep. and all that. Um, and I'm wondering, actually, uh, you know, is that something that you do annually or regularly, um, or or was that just to, to sort of make a longer-term plan at this juncture. Yeah, that, that was to make a longer-term plan. And um, what you're referring to as materiality and kind of crowdsourcing of information for materiality is very high on my radar, as I think it should be on any sustainability professional's radar. Um, those aren't just buzzwords. Those, those are popular and well-used words right now because they signify that more corporate responsibility strategy is going to have to come from what stakeholders tell the strategy makers the stakeholders care about. It's not so simple as saying, we're a makeup company, we sell to women, women get breast cancer, therefore our corporate cause is breast cancer. Mm -hmm. It's a more sophisticated landscape than that at this point. Mm -hmm. Great. And actually, um, one... One question I, I frequently field specifically when talking to folks who are either studying and working or, or just studying is about um, finding the right position in, in the field. And I think a lot of folks go out and search for jobs under the title of CSR sustainability. I would say in addition to, do, to doing that, search for jobs that are anything, managers, accountants, uh, sales folks, advertising, whatever have you, in, job, in, in companies that are inherently focused on corporate environmentalism. So jobs that look at um, reporting, in excuse me, companies that work at reporting and transparency, companies that look at alternative energy, uh, companies that look at how laws and subsidies around new technologies, clean technologies are passed. It doesn't have to be sustainability in the title. It has to be sustainability in the product and the service the company delivers. 
we've we've actually been talking about that quite a lot <laughs> as as many of us are you know approaching the end of our of our time here so um that's that's always good to hear i think that that there it is such a new field there are so many ways to be involved um and ideally m- more companies will be focusing on sustainability so that's that's a, i think we're all on board <laughs> with that idea um I guess uh, let me see what we had another question a little bit more actually uh, I know we've we've touched a bit on on diversity and and sort of um, you know your your human rights issues I guess I'm wondering again if there's uh, anything uh, more specifically that you're working on within the diversity sphere for instance we know that there tend to be um, more men uh, piloting the planes do you have any specific um, you know uh, work in place to get more women piloting planes or, or other efforts uh, in a specific Yeah, way. so th- we do have a effort in place um, called Women in Flight uh, mm-hmm. focused on exactly that. And it's, it's an organization that looks to bring more women into not only the cockpit, but also STEM, so science, technology, um, math, I'm forgetting my E, engineering and math. Um, And that's entirely what the JetBlue Foundation focuses on as well, increasing access to STEM. And, of course, we all know from operating within our own societies that frequently um, and traditionally women don't have the same quality and consistency of access to that. And it brings up a – your first question brings up a very – strong and basic question about how is a company to fix an issue like women being underrepresented in technology within their tiny little corporate ecosystem while operating in a much larger society that has this systemic problem? How much can a company fix? There are case studies, arguments, examples out there that that show one organization can be the exception to the national statistic. In my personal opinion, I think it's a tall order. And the fact that we need uh, a special campaign to bring more women pilots is, is representative of how strong the problem can be in the country. Yeah, it's interesting. I like that you mentioned. I mean, it is a tall order. Uh, absolutely, it, it seems like your JetBlue has a number of of small initiatives too, or you know, relatively speaking, maybe <laughs> they're they're actually large initiatives. But um, I, I I guess I'm curious if you want to speak any more about the other efforts that you have. I know there's the uh, in addition to the STEM education initiatives, you have a reading program for kids and the Kaboom partnership. Um, yes. Yeah, you know, do something.org yes. are all of these sort of also then yes. ideally kind of contributing to that larger uh, strategy. Yeah, absolutely. So you um, you have obviously researched JetBlue very well <laughs> and have named a number of our CSR programs. Um, the CSR team who I work in parallel with, locked up with, they focus on exactly those programs. And I, I referred and alluded to them when I talked about how that's how JetBlue grew up. That was always part of the business model. Um, because this is an MBA group, um, I want to call attention to doing that again in a, in a new 
product campaign. So if you put into the Internet, fly it forward, or you go to JetBlueFlyItForward.com. It's an idea that came from our own crew members at JetBlue when we talked about how can you kind of pay it forward to customers? What does inspiring humanity mean to a customer? And the whole program works by passing one plane ticket along a continuous journey um, to make impact in each person's life as they go along. And we award a flight to one deserving individual who applies for the ticket. And then once his or her trip is completed, that flyer, that person, passes the opportunity on to another traveler. And you get this continuous chain of goodwill and of traveling and an endless ticket going from one person to the other. Um, again, the website JetBlueFlyItForward.com has the, the videos, the images, the people themselves, what they actually did. Um, and that's how we've brought this big concept of inspiring humanity into a very tangible program directly related to our business offering. That's, I love that program. I did. I noticed that on the Facebook page, and, and it's. I am really intrigued by it. I was looking forward to to learning a little bit more about it. So I'm glad you brought it up. <laughs> yeah, and and your own response. I saw it on the Facebook page. Is a perfect example of the business case for creating content and content around responsibility. I don't think we'd be on this call and you'd be like, "Wow, um, I saw on your Facebook page that." fees to Buffalo are waived because they have snow, and if I want to check a second bag, it's a different fee. I mean, who wants to talk about that stuff? No one. And <laughs> oh, that's good. Well, <laughs> thank you. Um, I, I think we. it looks like we might have a few other questions from other people, so I'm going to pass it over again to Stephanie. Great. Thanks, Sarah. Um, this is Stephanie again. So if anyone does have a question, please press uh, five star on your phone. We're, we're wrapping up our time with Sophia soon. But, um, you know, Sophia, you know, I'm just, I'm just really loving hearing about JetBlue's culture and your role there and also the, what you've been doing with STEM education because when I was in grad school, we were, that was one of our big projects to work to build an app to entice young women to want to go into STEM fields. So I think of the airline uh -huh. industry and pilots all the time. Um, but, you know, also I'm thinking through when you said, um, advice to MBAs who are looking uh, for careers and you know they might want to be head of sustainability like you but there could be other options for them in a company um, and you know you said look at companies that have values that you know would align with mission-driven work etc and you know what I've noticed on a lot of websites now you know there's just so much out there a lot of people talk about sustainability and CSR they kind of need to for the market so do you have any advice to really helping students figure out, or people in general, figure out which companies really do it for real and really embed, embed this in their values if they don't really know anyone internally there? Yeah. Um, the short answer to your question is the website is a key giveaway. If the website reads like a directory in buzzwords and things you think you should be saying uh, has no kind of general organization and it's just one page and like this is where a corporate soul lives. It's right here. Can't you see it? That's pretty, that's pretty obvious. Any Fortune 100 company right now go on to their website. They have phenomenal data and coverage. Literally, you can Procter & Gamble, Nike, Walmart, it doesn't matter who you name. Um, the metrics are there and the story is clear. 
I say that with 100% confidence for the Fortune 100s. It would be interesting uh, to, to make a more thorough look at the Fortune 500s. The longer answer, and potentially more controversial, I don't think it matters. I mean, if you are passionate about the intersection between business and responsibility, long-term planning, and you go into a corporation that's just paying it with service and kind of towing the line, start the job, find the senior leader in the organization who thinks the company should be doing more, for better or worse, doesn't matter. Maybe they're a terrible person and they don't really want to help anyone, but they know they have to because their competitors are. Find that person and own the space by aggressively volunteering, aggressively taking up the programs and projects uh, that, that touch on it. Be the, be the one that actually schedules a meeting to do it rather than just meet in the, by the water cooler and, and say we should. There is such an uh, odd power in just being the one who schedules the meeting and continually forces the conversation. Yeah, I mean, that, that's such excellent advice. I agree. Just do it. <laughs> Go for it. Um, you know, and, and as, you know, many of people will be graduating out of our program in 2015, do you have any other words of advice to them as they, as they go into the job market? You've already imparted such great advice, but do you have any others for, for people right out of the gate? Absolutely. If you have a job, stay in the job you're in while you look for sustainability opportunities, either internally or externally. Um, this very week I was speaking at Columbia University and a woman asked me a similar question afterwards. She said, um, I'm at such and such hedge fund, one of the largest uh, and most sophisticated in New York, and she said, I'm, I'm going to leave because I'm really interested in sustainability. And it basically grabbed her by the shoulders and said, don't you dare. You stay right there and have that conversation internally with them. If you're already building connections in, with your employer, that's the best place to make a change. That's absolutely true. Yeah, and that's good because so many students and people just want to jump to what they really want to do and what they're truly passionate about. But there's so much work to be done if we really want to change business in this direction to stay in the company and really try to, to do it internally. So um, thank you so much, Sophia, for that advice and to Sarah and Amy for hosting today. I, I personally love this conversation and hearing about what JetBlue is up to, what you're up to there. And um, I don't know if Sarah and Amy have any final words, but um, you know we're going to wrap up pretty soon for the day. Yeah. Hi, uh, this is a, oh. Go ahead, Amy. <laughs> okay. No, I just wanted to say thank you, Sophia, for the genuine conversation. I had a lovely lunchtime um, interviewing and, and storytelling with you. Thank you. No, thank you. It's um, a privilege to be able to talk to such a group, and I particularly enjoy talking to MBAs with a focus on sustainability. So thank you for continually combining those two things because they need each other to continue to prosper. Well, thank you, and I, I, I think we're all looking forward to keeping track of JetBlue now that we know so much. We can we will follow your progress on social media and online and everywhere, so much appreciated. Thank you, guys. Excellent. Well, thank you.
and um, thank you everyone for joining today's Sustainable Business Fridays. Have a good weekend. Thank you, Sophia. Bye.
The host has joined the conference.